Welcome to Less Than 12 Parsecs, the fastest Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. Now here's your host, Tim McMahon. Hey, it's Tim. So what do Star Wars fans like to do when a new movie comes out? Well, they like to sit down and talk about it. Yeah, so that's what I've done today. I sat down with Ryan Dassing, friend of the show, a good buddy of mine now, and we went on for over an hour just hashing it all out, trying to figure out what we just saw. We recorded this about 48 hours. Yeah, 48 hours after we first saw The Last Jedi. So, you know, we're a little, we're a little hyped up on emotion, trying to figure it all out. We're maybe not the most articulate guys out there, but you know what? We're a couple of nerds having fun. So, so please sit back and enjoy this way more than 12 parsecs episode of less than 12 parsecs. Like I said, it's, it's, it's well over an hour. And in fact, if you are the type who likes to enjoy geeky guys talking about star Wars, I've recorded another conversation. You can find that one over on the expanded fandom verse podcast. I'll put links in the show notes. That's my old podcast. Uh, I used to do with Jason Collier. Well, Jason and I sat down and we did the same thing. We chatted for an hour about what was going through our brains in reference to the last Jedi. Sure. A lot of the things you hear today on this episode I repeat over there, but you know what? Ryan and Jason, they both had their own interesting takes, so please check them both out. Anyway, here you go. Here's an hour, hour and 20 minutes, me and Ryan Dassing, just chatting all about The Last Jedi. Enjoy. All right, Ryan, thanks for joining me here on the show today. Hey, thanks for being here, Tim. Hey, no. No, thank you for being here. All right, so... (laughs) The lead up to the Last Jedi, you were like really excited. That's the way it came across online. Tell tell folks about your anticipation level. So I've been really excited about it, and about the past week, I've just been like shut off. I've just had to stop thinking about it. I had to stop looking, listening to certain podcasts. I just had to just just wait for the day to, to show up before I saw the movie, before I got any further in. I even started fast forwarding through commercials when TV spots were coming up all over the place, just because I was like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to know this. I know it's not a spoiler, but I'm just done. I'm I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, you were you were pretty excited. That's the way it came across. And then you finally saw it. Did it Actually, before we talk about the film, what were your expectations going in? What what did you what were your hopes? What were your fears? Impressions before you saw the film? So, so I I I had complete I had an open mind. I said, "Okay, let's see what they show me." You know, especially with this whole, you know, the Ryan Johnson, he just got cleared for this new sequel tri- the new trilogy coming out after that. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, am I going to see the best Star Wars I've ever seen? And I'm like, but don't build yourself up like that. You're just going to set yourself up for failure. So I uh, I went into it just open-minded, and I was just like, please, 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 don't tell me that Rey is the spirit of Palpatine because that would just kill me. Like, I did not want that to happen. I didn't want a clone situation happening because that would have turned me off completely, and I did not want to be turned off. Yeah, there were a lot of fan theories and expectations, and well, we'll get into that in a minute, but okay, so you went in, you saw the film, you've seen it, what, twice now already? I've seen it twice. I was supposed to see it three times, but due to inclement weather and my son getting an early dismissal, I could not see it that third time, and uh, yeah, I had to eat that ticket. Yeah. Not very happy about that, but yeah, I'll, be, uh, I'll, be seeing it. I'll be seeing it more. Yeah, I've seen it twice already. I was supposed to see it a third. Life took me in another direction. I've only seen it twice so far. All right, so here's the big reveal. Drum roll, please. Mr. Ryan Dassing, what did you think of Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi? <laughs> I loved it. Awesome. It was Star Wars. It was Star Wars. And like I told you earlier, I do have my rose-tinted glasses, pun intended. And I, the first viewing, I loved it. It was so much to take in. 
it was just, you know, are, are we doing spoilers or no? Yes. So, listener, be warned. We're doing, spo- there okay. are, we're doing spoilers. I should ask that before we start recording, but all right. Everything was just so much information. So many questions answered, yet still less than questions open. So after my first viewing, I gave it an eight. Just a, my jaw dropped. I cried when Luke died. I I was just fragile. I was very fragile leaving the theater. And then I saw it the second time, and there were some things I didn't. Yeah, they were okay. I, like I said, I love the movie. So after my second viewing, I think I can stand firm and say I give this one a seven point five strong. Wow, I you know I haven't myself thought about what sort of rating I would give it, but it is rather high. I, I will say, and I said this after Rogue One that I always walk out of a film loving it, even the worst film of all time. I, I go to the Transformers movies just because I can walk out, you know, <laughs> having had Excited a good time. No, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah. And as soon as I hear fans going, oh, my God, it was the worst movie ever, I'm like, you're not a fan. What's wrong with you? Come on, it's Star Wars. <laughs> right. But I, I do, in my opinion, and I know I'll probably get you know, yelled at for it, but I do think it was better than The Force Awakens, in my opinion, after two viewings. But I still stand firm that Rogue One was more had that more Star Wars feel than The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. But just the it just, you know, I, I'm a member of the Five of First and I'm all about the bad guys. But I have this very soft spot in my heart for Luke Skywalker. And I just cried like a little fanboy sitting there watching him sit there and meditate and just disappear. And his cloak just go off that cliff. I, I just lost it. I was like, oh, my God. You know, I, I thought he wasn't going to die. I thought he was just going to like, oh, that took a lot out of me. And, and you know, the movie was going to end. And I'm like, what, what? Just the roller coaster just had me. And uh, it, it was great. And any, at any moment, I thought the movie was going to end. And it just kept going. And I'm like, good gosh, what, what else are they going to show us? I thought Finn was going to die. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on here? But, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I did love it. I am going to see it more. You know, I'm not sure if my rating is going to go up or down to be determined at this point. But my only, if I can go into a couple things that I have an issue with, you know, you can edit out if you don't want to hear it. But well, let's uh, let's I get think... to that. Let's get to that in a moment. Uh, okay, yeah. Before we, I, I have a sort of an outline here or a path I want to oh, take you down, <laughs> if if you will allow me, um, sir. Just to put in my two cents, I I I've seen it twice. I, I was saying online the first time was just for the feeling of it. The second time was just to think about it, and I feel like this movie gave me more to think about more to unpack than any other star wars movie ever i agree i agree the questions you want answered some got answered and then opened up a whole other book of questions so yeah that's that's one of the things i want to talk about before we go into likes and dislikes was um, to go back to the idea of expectations to me this film added to the star wars lexicon it wasn't star warsy you know, because it was all new, but yet it's still Star Wars. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like you said, Rogue One felt very old school Star Wars. Yes, this felt Star yep. Wars, but it was something new, something different. Did you did you feel it was different than the other films we've had so far? So I answer your question with a question. Okay. Do you think Do you think it had a little more fantasy than most Star Wars? Because that's what I thought. Yeah. Um. You know, Star Wars is space wizards at its heart. True. I can I can agree with that statement. I, I felt like the um what they're calling it now. I can't believe it's not even twenty four hours yet, and that she already has a name. They call it the Space Leia. That was yeah. very fantasy. That took me out a little bit, and uh, I feel like I forget. I don't even know the names of them. I, I heard it twice, but I forgot the names. But the big you know racing 
uh, creatures. Uh, that just felt very, they were Star Wars creatures, but it just it had that fantasy Harry Potter vibe to it, which isn't a bad thing. It just it felt just a little different. And like I said, I, I don't think it took away from anything. But yeah, it definitely had a diff- little different feel, but I don't, I don't have a complaint about that. Yeah. Uh, space horses, you know. We've had space camels. I think the Iopes from uh, Tatooine that we saw in episode one, to me, where I've always called them space camels. So, you know, space horses. Makes sense. The very the very gassy camels they had, yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk about the th- things we like. Do you want to go down the storyline beat by beat, or do you just want to uh, freeform it? Uh, it's up to you, sir. You're the guest today. Uh, let's go beat by beat. I'm, I'm cool with that. All right. Oh man, I wish I wish I had a copy of the movie here right now so I could pull it up and <laughs> I, I know. I'm sitting here like, okay, go, go, go. So The Force Awakens ends classically on the the planet, uh Octu and you know, Ray and, and Luke and I sort of thought it was gonna start right there, but it didn't. Oh, I, I was so hoping it didn't start right there because it has to start in space. You have to get the crawl to the space and either the pan up or the pan down. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite parts of the movie was that first part like that first fight was epic yeah when did you ever think you would see a single x-wing go at an entire fleet of star destroyers <laughs> and a dreadnought like that was that was awesome you know i, I don't want to i don't want to brag but i've done it a hundred times on my computer so <laughs> do video games count sure <laughs> because it picked up so you know right after the force awakens it, you can almost say it's all one story it's not like two movies it's just part one and part two but yet the film seemed to have a different tone than the force awakens the force awakens was, was much more funnier much a little lighter more adventure any thoughts on that yeah i can i can see i can see reed say that i i felt you could definitely and like i said i'm not a movie i'm not a you know i don't sit there and write blogs about movies and write things like that i'm just kind of a very casual fan film guy um but you could definitely feel the difference between J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson, like just right off the bat. Yeah. You know, it, it definitely had a different, it had a different feel. And I, I honestly, I, I, I like the, I like the Ryan Johnson feel better than I did the J.J. Abrams. And I feel like we've had J.J. Abrams, Force Awakens, Ryan Johnson, Last Jedi. I think this J.J. Abrams for the next one could just be like the perfect equation, which you know, fingers crossed, that's yeah. gonna happen. Speaking of tone, the J.J. Abrams one, like I said, was just, I think, the funniest Star Wars movie. And this one had some funny moments. And I think my favorite funny moment was pretty much the first scene where it's Poe talking to Hux over the intercom. I'm so glad you said that because that was so funny. They did a your mom joke within the first five minutes. (laughs) And that was awesome. Hux just goes off on that. Just I'm going to kill you. I'm slaughtering everything you've ever worked for in a. Yeah, I'm holding place. That was, uh, it, it definitely had that whole, like, uh, when when Kylo gets Poe and says, uh, my talk, you talk, you talk. I don't know. I can't understand yeah. what the apparatus. Like, it definitely had that. And it, like I said, I, I, I think there was a little too much comedy, in my opinion, but that first scene, that was hilarious. I you loved think, it. You think there was too much comedy in The Last Jedi? I think there was too much comedy in The Last Jedi. Really? I, uh. I the the only complaint, like I said, I love that first part. My only complaint was when they showed the connection between Kylo and Ray, and they kept saying, "Why am I connected to you?" And then they did that whole like, "Can you put a shirt on?" Like that was just like, oh, it just it took me like I'm wondering, I'm like, what wait, why is this happening? Why is this connection? Why are they struggling to say what they really want to say? And then just to, it just took me out of the 
can you put a shirt on? Like, oh, come on. Yeah, I'll admit that, that was a bad joke. I'll, I'll agree with you there. I wanted that scene to be so serious and so, like, you know, if you were connected to some of the force, are you going to worry about if there's a shirt on or not? No, you're going to worry. Why am I seeing you? Why can you see me? Why can you hear me? Right. So. I wonder if they're trying to play up the idea of, you know, all the people who are trying to pair off Ray and, and Kylo as a couple. Shipping, I believe, is the term the kids today use. I can uh, I can definitely see that. So, yeah, le- led into a, uh, after the Hux and Poe part, which I thought was not just funny, but a great bit of character for Poe. I mean, it's, it's who he is. We're seeing more and more. But it led into a great battle. Uh, those bombers uh, were one of my favorite new tech additions to the world of Star Wars. I love Star Wars tech. That's like you. I'm a 501st guy because I'm attracted to the tech of the Empire. But yeah, those bombers were, were classic World War II bombers in space. I love the bombers. That was such a great scene. And the fact that only that one gets through is scene. so much like the real world. I mean, the death rate on those bombers over Europe in World War II was atrocious. So, And uh, and the one that Paige was manning definitely did the job. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of new tech, the Dreadnought, what would you think of that new ship? When that thing, like I said, I saw it so far I've seen it twice in 3D. When that thing came at my face the first time, I just got this <laughs> huge smile that was so awesome seeing that come at me like that. Yeah. I love the big love gun that could just rain down hell from space. I love the commander too. He just was like, you would definitely think anyone commanding a ship like that was definitely that guy. I don't know who he was. I've never seen him before, but his voice, his commands was just like, I, I, I love, I don't know what his name was, but that commander was awesome. And I want his outfit like tomorrow. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked him too. He felt like more of a real military commander, whereas Hux was more of like, uh, yeah. you know, he, he plays the politics side of... He was the PR guy. Yep. Yeah. The PR guy. Yeah. Yep, yeah. definitely. So then uh, to go along with the story, after that, the resistance takes off, and then we cut to Ray and Luke picking up where we left off. What? Oh, man. That was... That oof. moment when he threw his lightsaber over the cliff. What? What, what did you think? With with the entire audience I was sitting on, we all just cracked up laughing. Like, that was, like, the last thing you would ever think to happen. And he just walked off with, you're not impressing me, bye. That was great. I loved it. I think it was the first time I've been in a theater where everyone gasped. I mean, literally, it was like, <gasps> and then the laugh. Yeah. I mean, people were shocked because it was built up so much in the last two years. And, eh, it's no big deal. Everyone was worried about, you know, what's he going to say? And he had that such crazy serious look on his face to see that lightsaber back in his life and for it just to be like a you know pun intended just a throwaway boom i don't care it was just like where is this movie gonna go wow so let's talk about luke and ray and uh her training through the whole movie how how did luke in this movie um compared to what your expectations of luke was going to be uh i always had the the um idea that it was going to be like the the hermit luke the maybe a little two knocks to the left Luke, you know, like a little crazy man hermit on this island. And we got a little bit of that. And, you know, the hesitation and the, the shut off from the force. And I, I, I liked it a lot. I, you know, he, he was just a guy. He just said, you know, I, I came here to die. I came to the furthest part of the galaxy. I didn't come here for, you know, for any reason at all. I came here to die. And the Jedi should, and I, I loved it. Like I said, I soft spot in my heart for Luke. And I thought it was great how he just put his foot down and was like, I'm not training you. I'm not training you. And Yoda put up, what, maybe 10 minutes of, I'm not gonna, too old. I'm not going to train him. And Luke was just like, God, it must have been at least three days at least where he right. was like, you're wasting your time. I'm not training you. 
Yeah. I know a lot of people wanted Luke to come back and be all heroic again. But if Luke were to be the hero, then he would just sort of take over the, this new trilogy from the new guys. And it's definitely the story of these new characters. Original trilogy characters are just pretty much background because it's not their story. Ryan Johnson did it the best by exactly what you just said. Ryan Johnson did it the best by having Luke Skywalker, the legend, the, the living legend. That was he thought that was his downfall. And for him to embrace that and then to go off that, like that, oh, that was so great. Like storytelling was awesome with that. Like he couldn't live up to the legend of Luke Skywalker. And that's what got people killed. And that's why Kylo Ren is him. He blames himself. And that takes him away from, you know, the guy who's going to come in with a lightsaber and kill off the first order. Like, I love that the story writing of, you know, how do you tell a story about new characters while having this, the legacy of Luke Skywalker, and then turn it around 360 to, he doesn't want to be that anymore. Like, that's that's his downfall. That's yeah. his weakness. And I, I thought that was great. And then he finally does decide, okay, Ray, I'll teach you the ways just to show you you're wrong. What did you think about that? I, I thought it was awesome the way he presented it to her. But in the back of my head, I'm like, look, you're going to you're gonna realize that they're probably going to need you. You're, <laughs> right. You know, you're, you're, you're a little more needed than you think that you are. And uh, his explanation about the hubris and about how he went back to the, you know, how he kept the Jedi tech so sacred and the, and, you know, he he said Jedi religion, and that might have been maybe the second or third time it's actually referred to as a religion. Seriously, not like a mocking, but like a religion in the in the saga. And uh, for him to hold on to that and say, "I'm going to show you why this doesn't belong," and the explanation of the Force, you know, what do you see? And she's explaining how she feels inside, and him go, and and, and you know, he's like, "And do you feel vanity and the hubris of the Jedi? We're the ones that brought this whole thing down." And I thought that was a great explanation and definitely looking at it from a different point of view, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I will have to admit, before he said he was going to train her, I thought, I was thinking of how Yoda trained him. So, you know, when he's going off to hunt fish and he's climbing the mountain and she's following and he's, you know, going to milk that sea cow thing. I thought that he was beginning her oh. training already. I've <laughs> we have to address the elephant in the room. <laughs> What's the that? Blue Sorry. Milk. Come on. I said, we have to address the elephant in the room here. The blue milk coming <laughs> yeah. from that. Come on. That was an awesome touch. Yeah. I laughed. That was such a fan. That was such a fanfare. You know, here you go, guys. Here's some blue milk. And it was gross, too, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was really gross, but really awesome. Sorry. Yeah, Side no, track. that's okay. But, yeah, I thought he was, like, no. secretly training her. Like, if you can follow me up this hills and, you know, cross this chasm on the stick and, you know. That yeah, seemed that like a Yoda perfect. type thing to me, but but it turned out he was just living his daily life. That's just the way he was living. And he has a lot of time, apparently, as Ray would say. Oh yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I find interesting is, you know, in the prequels they set up this very uh, structured Jedi way to become a Jedi. You know, you're training for years from from pretty much as an infant on, and then Luke he had like a, a couple days on Dagobah, maybe a couple weeks tops. And Ray, same thing. Just you know, she got like three lessons, and from and a couple of books she stole from the the planet. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on that? I know you know a lot of people who are prequel fans are like, oh, to become a Jedi, it has to be structured and serious. But a lot of folks who are more original trilogy is like, no, it's 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 spiritual, and you know, you just have to let yourself feel it. 
What's your take on on the two ways to become a Jedi? So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm original trilogy, so I feel like Luke becoming a Jedi and having his trials and failing and still becoming a Jedi within, you know, a couple days on Dagobah. The same way with Rey, learning three lessons. And, you know, you get this whole people that complain about the, you know, the whole Mary Sue conflict, and I I don't buy into it. And I even had, I even saw someone say, wait, if she was grown up on, if she grew up on Jakku her whole life, how does she know how to swim? I'm like, oh my God, people, come on. You're going a little too deep on me. Going a little too deep on me. Come on, let's take it from the surface. Let's just embrace this. But yeah, I, I, I think I was not turned off that within three lessons, she got that much stronger with the force to the point where she could go against Kylo. She could go against Snoke. And then she could, you know, return to the resistance afterwards. I, I wasn't, you know, there was no thought in my mind where I didn't think that she could handle what she was handling. So I, I like I said, I don't, I feel like when we go from the trilogy all the way through to the sequel trilogy, as less and less as it goes, you realize that that whole structure of a Jedi from the Old Republic to the prequel trilogy, it becomes less, you know, as a religion, as an art, as a, uh, you know, you can't be this if you're not this to the point where you have a possibly a, a one morning training exercise. I, I don't, I, I didn't, it didn't take me out of it at all. I, I, I think I like, I liked it the way it was. And I think it, I think it's good going forward with that. I feel like a lot of the uh, people, Luke, Kylo, Ray, they were born with this, with uh, the force, with the sensitivity that they don't need this, you know, from infant to adult strict code of the Jedi that they had back then that they have now. So yeah. I- I'm okay with it. Now, another part of her training uh, that I've been thinking about that I haven't really worked out in my head yet is the whole idea, the classic scene from the trailer where Luke says, you know, I've only seen this power once before. I wasn't afraid. I am now. The whole part where she's like feeling the dark side, it doesn't put up any resistance to it. What were your, your take on that? So my initial reaction to that was that she was so comfortable with the light side of the force that she was almost just as comfortable as the dark side of the force. And the fact that she didn't resist it and went right into it, and she went down in that cave or the hole in below the below the island and she saw herself through all those mirrors and she did all of those hand movements and the snapping to the point where she saw her parents coming to her much like when luke had his trial and he saw vader and then saw his own face she saw her own reflection and then returned with a snap she comes back and she's fine she does she's not angry she's not throwing a fit she's not questioning she just thought you know i i saw this and i saw that and then luke was the one saying I can't believe you didn't resist that. You know, she didn't have a problem with it. You know, she had a less of a problem with it than he did. And I, I feel like that shows that she's just a more balanced force user than Luke was. The Skywalkers always struggle with the light and the dark. And Ray was fine with both. And she still stood her ground. She didn't change her theory about what, how she wanted, you know, she wanted Kylo to change. But she never went to that dark side. And she went in that cave where she didn't, you know, he told her not to go or resist. And she was fine with it. And, you know, saw herself in her own reflection and came back. So I just think that she can, I think they're trying to show us that she's a very well-balanced force user. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I like that. that I can see that. It gives me something to think about. I, I was thinking that in a way it showed that Luke, again, wasn't a great teacher because he, before that moment, he never explained to her the dark side leads to problems you know yoda told him you know the dark side you know it's easier it's more tempting but it leads you down a bad path 
she didn't know that she was just like oh he's just telling her to reach out and feel everything well she was feeling everything the light the dark and everything in between so yeah gonna... we can't forget about the palm that he was rubbing rubbing on her hand either too we can't <laughs> forget about that that was <laughs> i love that it, you know again it put me in the mind of impish yoda for empire so it did while we're talking about yoda man when he I pops say, up I'm like this is a great segue yeah great segue the... i loved every moment of yoda i loved it they used the actual puppet and then they cgi'd the face it wasn't the original trilogy yoda and thank god it wasn't the prequel yoda from episode one but i loved it i thought it was a great callback and to see yoda kicking his feet laughing underneath his cloak i I was just (laughs) grinning ear to ear and i loved every minute of that i love that it was the Again, the impish Empire Strikes Back Yoda. It wasn't the Yoda we yes. had for three movies in the prequels. It was yes, the, it was the Yoda that Luke knew. It wasn't another version of Yoda. He went back to picking on young Luke, just like it didn't, like it, it never stopped. It just went right back into right. it. Just, I, I missed you, young Skywalker. Just boom, right into it. I loved it. Again, comparing the prequels to the original trilogy, when Luke's saying, you know, the Jedi have to end. I'm gonna burn it all down. And Yoda is the one who ends up doing it for him. That, to me, doesn't match the Yoda we knew from the prequels. But then maybe he learned his lesson in all these years that he's been dead. Another thing that I've that I'm processing, like I said, only seen it twice. I'm digesting a lot of different callbacks to a lot of deleted scenes from different movies. And I feel like with the Yoda, you know, going, oh, you want to burn down here? I'll do it for you with some lightning. I feel like that was Yoda learning from prequel Yoda to this Yoda that things have changed. Remember, he didn't know how to he didn't know how to become one with the Force before Qui Gon came to him and showed him how to do it. And that was a deleted scene from I believe Episode Three. Right. And I, I feel like Yoda, even being a spirit, has learned more as he's going on to be like, look, this you want this over? I'm cool with that because it's different. So I I, I definitely think that uh it, it was definitely like a you know, Luke was like, I'm going to do this because it has to be done. And I'm the one making this decision. And Yoda's like, you know what? You're doing the right thing. And you're not the only one who thinks that's, that's right. And yeah. I, I like that. I think that was really good. I know maybe I'm asking too much, but I think the only thing that could have made that scene better was if Obi-Wan was there with him. Oh, uh, me and my brothers, me and my brothers, after we saw it, I, like I said, I have a, I have a tradition where I, me and my three brothers were huge Star Wars fans. We go out the seven o'clock on Thursday, every showing. And we always go and huddle up and have a talk about it afterwards. And that was our biggest thing. When Luke turned himself back onto the force, he should have had Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Anakin just ready to knock on that door and be like, where have you been? What's going on? You know, I, I, I was ready for all the ghosts to come back in their own little scenes to talk to Luke, even if talked to Ray. And like I said, it would have been, it wouldn't have put me off. I, I would have thought seeing Obi-Wan or seeing Anakin would have been awesome. Yeah. But like I said, Having that little call back to Yoda, I think it was great. Yeah, I know. I guess we, you know, beggars can't be choosers, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. So to go back to the movie storyline, um, at this point, while Ray is off training, then the fleet is just keeping pace ahead of the uh, the First Order fleet. Uh, did you ever watch Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> I did not. Oh, it just, it really reminded me of 
the remake of Battlestar Galactica, but I'll have that conversation with someone else who knows the references, so I'll save it for another time. <laughs> there you go. The whole did they explain and I tried to I tried to catch this on my second viewing. Did they explain how the first order was tracking them through hyperspace? It, it didn't feel like it was just like, oh, they got new tech. Almost... Yeah, it, it, it was it was kind of explained because when they had when they had Rose talking to Finn in the bowels of the uh, of the ship, she you know she knew all that stuff about, you know, being behind pipes. And, you know, she'd even admit it when she said, I'm not used to talking to, you know, resistant, star, you know, leg- legends. I'm used to, you know, sitting behind pipes and doing stuff. When when she was talking about that, she was saying how that's a new tech. You know, she pretty much just said it just like that. It's new tech, but it's not impossible. And she said that you know it, it has to come from the first ship, and that's the one that's tracking through hyperspace. And I, I thought that was, I mean, it kind of blew my mind because just like everyone that said it, that's impossible. You can't do that. That's how. I mean, can you imagine if they did that in any of the original trilogy ones? That we wouldn't have a series right now. It it'd be done. Because that's how they got away. Hyperspace, boom, you're gone. Lightspeed, you're gone. You've you've escaped. Well, so I, I thought that was a, I thought that was a cool touch. It yeah. was a little kind of like here it is, and that's what it is. Like here you go. But it, it wasn't explained too in depth. But they you know they did. It, it made sense to me, especially once Finn and Rose got onto the um, the first order ship and they went into that room and DJ cracked it and got into that room right before they got busted. And it, it, I think it made sense. I liked yeah. it. My my initial thought on first viewing was like, oh, there's got to be a spy aboard. There's going to be a, a double cross because you know because in the original trilogy, I mean, you could track ships through hyperspace if they had a tracking be- a homing beacon on it. I mean, that's how the Empire Ooh. followed the Falcon back to Yavin Four because there was a homing beacon. And so that's I, how um, that's how uh, Jango Fett caught up with Obi Wan. Exactly. Obi Wan caught up with Jango Fett. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I thought it was going to go that route, but you know they've added new tech, and that's sort of that, you know a lot of the stuff I don't like, and we'll get to the stuff we don't like in a bit. But the stuff that I don't like in this movie is because it doesn't match my head canon, my version of Star Wars, and and tracking something through oh, hyperspace man. is not not good. We should have another podcast about head canon because whew, that's a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, Rose and. Finn going off and, and meeting up with DJ. A little side mission there. What was your take on that? I thought it was really cool. I thought it was cool that they had to uh, go to Canto Bite. Uh, I, I I did feel it was eh, could it could it hit the cutting room floor? Maybe I don't know. I, I thought seeing all those different uh, aliens and um, the ships and I, I thought the I thought it was beautiful, like the the landscape and the casino and I thought it was beautiful, but maybe just a little too much filler i don't know i think it could have taken a little bit off of that but i I thought it was good the whole the blue lapel that was a whole that that was when we talked about new questions answered when maz kanata said look for the guy with the blue lapel and they showed that guy at the at the table with the lapel at the same moment they got arrested was she telling him that that's the guy or did maz want her in that in that spot to be arrested to meet dj in jail that's one of the questions that's been you know, yanking at me going, wait, was, was well, she just trying to get them in that spot? Well, sir, so, it's your lucky I day. I have an answer for you. I have a legitimate real-world Star Wars answer for you because I purchased the Last Jedi visual dictionary and started reading through it today. And that man with the, the pin on his lapel was the master code breaker. He was the one oh. that they were supposed to meet. But then things went haywire. So 
Yeah, no, Maz was not setting them up to meet DJ. She was actually sending him off to meet that guy who was gambling. Wow, that's cool. I like that. In, in fact, it, it had a little cute description of the guy. It was like, no one knows his real name. He's just the master code breaker. His real identity is out there, and if you can break his code to learn his identity, then you become the new master code breaker, you know? <laughs> so it's sort wow. of like a, that's, that's pretty it's cool. a title that gets passed down from character to character. So they were looking for number one and they got one A. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So did, uh, I well, think, uh, Benicio, Benicio Tori did a really good job. Yeah. Interesting character. I, I curious if he'll show up in episode nine or not. I wonder if I, it was just I, like I, one I, and done. I think I think either way would be good for me if I saw him again, you know, and he had a purpose. Okay. You know, or maybe a redemption or, you know, whatever. And if he didn't show back up, I'm okay with that. I, I thought he did a good job. And, you know, he was definitely like the, I wouldn't say the Han Solo of the movie, but definitely the, you know, Hey, I'm in it for the money and whoever's throwing it at me, that's who I'm going with. And I, yeah. I thought it was cool. It, it kind of showed Finn and Rose that, you know, when he called it the machine and it kind of opened their eyes to like, yeah, this isn't just, you know, about your heart and your resistance. It's about survival. It's about, you know, Whoever's going to get up first is who I'm going with. Yeah, I, 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 and I'll get to this at the end. But my guesses for episode nine is I don't think we'd see him back. It'd be sort of odd that they need another code breaker again, and they went back to this guy. I mean, they could go back yeah, to this guy. He's, you know, he's he's just in it for the money. Yeah, he, he'll he'll go wherever the paycheck is biggest. But yep. it, it would seem weird, like oh, we need a code breaker again. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. So overall. I liked the Canto Bite area. It was it was an interesting city, different than anything else we'd seen. I wish they had sort of panned around the casino a little slower because there's so much to look at there. You know what? You know what I did? I did the first scene, the first the first viewing. I watched it straight on and watched them go into the casino and go straight over the tables to where they go to the back. And the second viewing, I said, okay, look to the right, and I watched all the way from the right corner and watched it. And I said, okay. When I see it the third time, I'm going to look at the left and watch oh, the left all the way. And man. when I did it the second time, you see so much more looking to the right. So I'm like, okay, I'm excited. Next time I'm going to look to the left. But there is just so much to look at. My one complaint, and uh, not my, of course I have more than one. I'm a Star Wars fan. Of course <laughs> I do. But my one complaint about the whole casino thing is they just walk in in their grubby attire. And everyone else is decked out in tuxedos and, and ball gowns. My brother and I, uh, after we graduated college, we, we did like backpacking trip through Europe for a couple of weeks together, like living really cheap. We were like, you know, literally almost like homeless, <laughs> just going from city to city. And it was a great adventure, but we went to Monte Carlo, which this is very much based on. And no, you can't just walk in in your grubby clothes into those high-end casinos. <laughs> so. I mean, they, they, they stuck out like sore thumbs. Yeah. And you know they had BBA with them, and um, you know it just, yeah, I, I definitely agree. They definitely stuck out. They were not blending. You know they, especially with Rose. You know walked in with a chip on her shoulder, and you know she kind of just had that look about her the whole time she was there. And yeah, they definitely stuck out. They didn't blend in at all. But they did blend in when they finally made it to uh, Snoke's uh, ship. That was a great scene. Another great joke. I thought this one. This one worked for me. Was the throw the box on BB-8. Yeah, that too. But the the shot of the iron coming down, uh, steam pressing that the clothes. <laughs> and then you pan out and you see that they're, it's just doing laundry. Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> you think it's a new ship of some sort. I almost yep. wonder if that's like a slight homage to uh, Hardware Wars for the, the 1970s fan film where 
<laughs> they used a, an iron as a spaceship. It kind of reminded me. It kind of reminded me of being on a uh, Jabba's uh, barge when they were uh, getting that gonk droid when they're yep. pressing down on him, getting his feet all feet all hurt. I, I, that's what I thought of when I saw it. Thought about that too. One of the things in the film, it's sort of like, sort of this is sort of like Empire. It was the time was weird. Like how much time was passing? The resistant ships were like, oh, we're running low on gas. But then how long were Rose and Finn off on their adventure? And how long was Ray on the island? It just, it, it seemed like each, each section of the film, the timing was different. It was different. It, 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 I completely agree. It felt like Ray was with Luke way longer than Finn and Rose Ron cancer bite. And then even shorter time, you felt like maybe it was maybe 12 to 16 hours of them being out in the middle of nowhere with the first order, just, you know, playing, you know, cat and mouse with them. Right. So it was kind of like, you know, I definitely, that definitely in my mind was, you know, going, you know, the timing was just like, I felt like when I left the theater, I felt like, did we just watch like a month worth of star Wars? Because it felt like a month with the, with the, the training and the rain and Luke's scheduling. And, and then you have, (laughs) Uh, Snoke and Kylo and Hux going through that whole, yeah, it, it it definitely didn't match up yeah. at all. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that you don't realize sitting in the theater just watching it, but when you come out and you start thinking, going, wait a minute, how long how long was I watching that for? It definitely seemed different time. It definitely seemed like different timing. Yeah, yeah. So they're on Snoke's ship, and uh, everything comes to a head uh, while we're talking about Finn and Rose. They get captured. Their their plan doesn't work, and Phasma shows up. What's your take on Phasma these days? I loved, I loved her scene, uh, her her kind of redemption. And a lot of people are complaining that you know she was just you know a, another one and done. And I, I don't think so. I think it was it was great. And I, I loved her uh, her fight with Finn. And we got to see that eye come out. And then her death was. I, I thought her death was awesome. Yeah. It uh the eye the eye showing reminded me of when uh rebels when vader's mask gets cut when he's fighting ahsoka and you see the eye and then the death of into the fire and reminded me of when the grand inquisitor died in rebels in season one yeah uh you know just going down you see that scene and i i, I thought it was awesome especially with finn standing goes no rebel scum i thought that was pretty cool <laughs> you know i'm not ready to say she's dead i i i think they could very much somehow bring her back in the next one I mean, if she was able to get off of Starkiller Base while it's exploding, why couldn't she get out of the ship in the middle of all that fire? And and you are not the first person to say it to me. After all the Facebooking and Instagramming and Twittering I've been doing in the past 48 hours, you're not the first person I hear to say that yeah. I don't think Phasma's dead. So yeah. who knows? It, it, it's definitely a good theory. Uh, people I've read online are like, oh, uh, they were complaining she's an underused character. But you know what? She was she had a small part in the first one, small part in the second one. I'm fine with that. There's you know there's so many characters they can't all have great giant storylines. I'd like to see her pop up yep. and die for real in the third one. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'd like to see her take her helmet off in the third one and, and see a scar from where that part of her mask you know was exposed to the flame. So that's that's my hope. For that, the future. that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, also, the battle on the um, on the ship, Ray, Snoke. Kylo, the guards, man, oh man. I'll let you, sir, tell me your thoughts first. I don't know how many times I stopped breathing during that scene. <laughs> My heart was just being yanked left to right. 
who's with who what what is going on here who's betraying who when snoke said do you think you contacted kylo because you have some power that was my doing and i'm like what yeah i'm wondering how does how does snoke have this power where did this come from and as soon as i asked that question he was dead he was sliced in half and i'm like wait no no i mean i loved it i loved his death was awesome because I don't like that guy and I see that guy, no one can betray me. And then, yes, they can and you got betrayed, you're cut in half, and you're just gonna lay there while this awesome fight scene breaks out between the Praetorian Guard and Kylo and Rey on the same side. That was awesome. The the lightsaber techniques, you know, the tossing and igniting it from the back into the face and, oh, the, all the new all the new Praetorian Guard uh, weapons, I'm like, oh my god, the 501st is gonna eat them up. Yeah. It was a great fight. Uh, something I didn't realize until the second viewing, this was the first uh, Star Wars movie of the you know the saga movies, Rogue One doesn't count, where lightsabers didn't clash. There were no lightsabers clashing against each other in this whole movie. Wow, I didn't I didn't even pick that up. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's true. That's true. Huh. Yeah. But still, nonetheless, a great battle. I, I feel like that scene was spoiled for me by Lucasfilm. Because I had watched multiple times the making of vignette that they put out, I think last summer, and they showed Daisy Ridley fighting three guys, or or maybe it was Adam Driver fighting three guys. So yeah, it was it was actually it was both. I, right. I saw the same I saw the same one, and you know what? My here we go with headcanon again, and my headcanon goes, well, here we go. Ray's gonna fight the Knights of Ren, and here we're we're gonna see it, and sure enough, I'm 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 kind of glad that. It was something different. So in my whole head, I'm thinking the whole time, okay, we're gonna we're gonna meet the Knights of Ren. We're gonna see this whole you know fight play out, and I, I was glad that it was something different. So yeah, I, I saw the exact same thing you did, and it, it didn't spoil it for me because I had no idea the Praetorian Guard were gonna be used. I thought they were gonna be you know background characters just like the Imperial Guards and right. you know, the original trilogy. No, nah, for some reason my mind when they first walk in the room, when she grabs Kylo's saber and everyone and all the guards, you know bring their weapons to bear I'm like oh okay they all go in yeah the, i just sort of yeah. it was i didn't even intentionally think it but it just it came to my mind like okay kylo and ray are going to team up and fight these guys i didn't know that they were going to kill snoke i thought maybe snoke was going to test them somehow but i felt like uh, i saw that coming but that's just me uh, yeah i i didn't i didn't see it coming i thought um i thought they were going to do exactly what exactly what i didn't think hux was going to do they just he turned and said, uh, "I thought he was." They were gonna turn to him and say, "Okay, uh, okay, Grand Leader, you know, what do we do now?" And Hux, I thought Hux was gonna stand his spot and go, "No, no, no, this is my army, uh, you know, Supreme Leader's dead, so this is me." And he just turned and bowed right to right to Kylo and said, "Supreme well, Leader." I'm like, "Wow." He was being choked. <laughs> he knew he was outclassed one on one. True. I I just thought he I thought he put up a little bit more fight. We saw them going back and forth. They were like the teacher's pet. In the Force Awakens, with oh, I just did something to please the teacher. Oh, I just did something better. I felt like with him being dead, there'd be a little bit more conflict. But yeah, I mean, we all know in the end who's gonna who's gonna win yeah. that one. But yeah. I thought there'd be a little bit more a little bit more uh, aggression. But I, I, that fight that fight had to happen, and I didn't even know it was gonna happen. I didn't want it, but I'm so glad it happened. So Snoke is dead. Do you feel disappointed, or are you pleased with the Snoke? storyline if you can even call it that from the last two films do you feel like so we've, we've got enough info about him no i i highly disagree with that 
here's my stand. J.J. Abrams set up, you know, the quote-unquote Snoke theory, and J.J. Abrams set up the whole who are raised parents, and I feel like it, you know, it could have been just a softball, just lob up for Ryan Johnson, hit it out of the park with this, and I feel like he didn't do it only because it wasn't what he wanted to do. I felt like it was like, oh, you want to know who Snoke is? Well, guess what? You're not going to know who he is. That was just a whole two years of you guys wondering some stupid questions we didn't want you asking. And I, I, I don't, you know, I, I was talking to my brother and he thinks that episode nine is going to be more of a reveal with maybe more background with Snoke or maybe even more background with Ray's parents weren't just trading her off for drinks and they're drunks that there's more to that than Kylo's letting on because Ray doesn't know. But I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of okay with Ray just being someone unrelated to anybody else. Not to jump ahead in the movie, but the final scene with that little kid who has force abilities. Again, just some kid. If you think about that little kid, you think about Ray, you think about Anakin, they're just all slaves, you know, they're they're kids with crappy childhoods and you know, they just the force is there to help them cope or or I don't know. I don't know. I I think maybe I'm overthinking this, but I'm, my point is no, I'm okay I, with Ray not having thing. famous parents. Yep, I'm I'm totally with what they're giving me about Ray's parents being drunks and they sold her for drinks. I'm okay with that. Okay, cool. If that's what you're telling me they are, I'm okay with that. I don't need some crazy backstory, and I don't need Ray to be a Skywalker. I don't need to be her solo. I'm cool with what they've put on the plate for us. I'm okay with. I don't need to read between the lines. I don't need to overthink. I think for what they gave us, I'm okay with. I will say, though, when Kylo was saying to her, you already know who your parents are. Just say it. Just say it. I thought I thought he was going to say he was going to say something like, just say it, sister. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I was just I was on the edge of my seat with all the questions Kylo was setting up Ray to say. Do you remember when he was saying you killed Han Solo? Or no, she said uh, what you did will never be will never be forgiven. Say it for what? What, what did I do? When I was thinking in my head, did 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 Han, did he not kill Han Solo? I said, <laughs> you know, there's a whole theory about Han Solo igniting Kylo's lightsaber so he didn't have to do it to turn to the dark side. And that seed of doubt was planted in my head when Kylo was asking Ray, could say it. I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to reveal this right here? And yeah, like I said, all the things that Kylo was setting up Ray to say. I, I, I was just on the edge of my seat going, where is this going? Right. They were just taking my emotions on this roller coaster, and that roller coaster was not stopping until the end of the two hours and 45 minutes of yeah. that movie. I do kind of feel cheated about Snoke. I wish we had more information there. I like your idea that maybe there'll be a big reveal in Episode Nine. But then I was thinking of the original trilogy. The Emperor was the big bad there. It never explained anything about him in the original trilogy. If you watch the original trilogy, he's just the Emperor. That's all you know about him. You don't even know his name. So you can have a bad guy and not and you new, don't need to know anything about him. He was just a him. face. Yeah. Yep. He was just a hologram, you know. Who's this who's this guy with the monkey eyes talking to us, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. So you don't need to know anything about the big bad guy other than that he's the big bad guy. So I have to admit though, as much as I don't like Snoke, seeing him with Hux in the beginning as the hologram and using the force on Hux through the hologram. I thought that was great visuals. Yeah. With Hux bleeding from the mouth, talking, you know, trying to, you know, get out of the situation he's in and 
trying to explain himself. I I thought that was awesome. I, you know, it's just the fact that he is this crazy powerful force user. That's why I want to know more about him. If he was I, just their leader who was able to manipulate force users through psychology, yep. <laughs> you know, if he was able to manipulate Kylo to come to his side some other way, I think that would be an interesting yeah, take yeah. on him too. You know, the, the, the whole, I don't know how to say it, a little more politically correct, but the whole, like, you know, uh, Hitler take, you know, yeah. is one man, you know, just brainwashed hundreds of thousands of people to his will. And, yeah, yeah I would have, you know, I think that would have been, a, I guess, more of a appetizing way to handle it. But this guy had a lot of power and a lot of force. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure because Lucasfilm likes to tell every backstory. We'll get a novel. We'll get some comics. We'll, we'll get more info on him eventually, I'm sure. I'm okay with that. I love reading that stuff. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to go back to on Kylo Ren was his and Luke's story. Sir, what are your thoughts on, on how that played out? Specifically their backstory. Their backstory and their flashbacks. Oh gosh, that was, it was visually stunning and it played perfectly with the storytelling of there's three sides of the story. There's my side, there's your side, and then there's the truth. And to see all three of those played out and they took us through, you know, they strung us through all three of those. At first, you're like, oh, my God, Luke, Luke's the villain. And then you're like, wait a minute. No, it's Kylo. And then you're like, wait a minute. Kylo's right because he looked at Luke as the bad guy. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It was just it was great. I I love seeing. And I mean, come on. We have to talk about it, right? the igniting of the green. It happened. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if it was a flashback. They ignited the green, and man, I had a smile on my face. Oh yeah, those flashbacks. I just, it made me feel sad for Luke. It made me. I mean, he said, "I looked into his heart, and Snoke had already turned him." Uh, but still, it just it made me feel so bad for Luke that he would even for a second be at a point where he had to con- where he contemplated what he contemplated. It just I and, can and see why he was a plays- broken old man now. And it played perfectly into the struggle that every Skywalker has between the light and the dark. For a brief second, Luke had that dark side, I need to end this, to kill him right now, to end what could happen, and then stop himself. But Kylo caught him in that brief moment and did what he did. Yeah. It, it, it was awesome. It, like I said, it was great Skywalker storytelling. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, man. That struggle in that family will always compromise something, and I'm glad it got played into this, and especially with Luke not saying one word in Episode Seven to be, you know, I wouldn't say Luke's movie, but for the most part, we got a lot of Luke Skywalker, some great Luke Skywalker. I I thought it was awesome storytelling. Not just great storytelling. I was very impressed with Mark Hamill's performance. I, you know, I worried. I thought he was going to maybe be a little hammy going into this, but I think he pulled it off great. He did awesome. You know, uh, I, I do see where you're coming from, you know, with all the interviews before and the little, uh, I mean, uh, his Twitter just, I mean, his Twitter alone is just, just hilarious. And yeah, I could see where you'd be, you know, worrying about, you know, hamming it up for the camera Hamill. And, uh, you know, no, I, I saw, I saw the older broken version of the return of the Jedi Luke Skywalker. And that was awesome. Yeah. So then I think it brings us to, we're almost to the end of the film. We got the final battle. New character we haven't touched on was the Admiral. Uh, small role, small part. What did you think of the Admiral and, and her sacrifice at the end? So my personal feeling on her was I liked it. There always had to be someone to put somebody else down to say, I know more than you, know your role, you know, with Poe Dameron. 
And I, I was, uh, I was, I was definitely okay with how it went out. And then I left the theater and I had a talk with my brothers and my one brother said, how am I supposed to feel about her? She comes in as a hard ass. And then she goes, I like that guy. And then <laughs> she sacrificed herself for the resistance. And we're supposed to think she's a hero. I've known this, I've known this woman for five minutes and I don't, I don't care. You know, it's kind of like, um, I know that she had a lot of, a lot to do with, um, I think she was in a couple of novels before the movie came out. Um, I didn't read them, but, uh, I, uh, I heard the summary of them on, uh, Star Wars seven by seven, Alan Voivod shout out. Uh, I heard, you know, he was talking about him. And, uh, so I know that she does have a backstory where I knew, but a casual fan walking in, they're meeting Laura Dern for the first time since Jurassic Park. Yeah, I, I don't think they gave her enough clout. I don't think they gave her enough substance to really feel for that character. And as soon as you start liking her, she's dead. And yeah, I, I think she did a great sacrifice. And I just didn't think there was enough buildup. She was for Carrie Fisher. I'm sorry. She was for Leia. And then she was against Leia. Then I'm better than Leia. Then I'm friends with Leia. Then now I'm dead. So I, I don't know. It was a little, I think it was a little too fast. Yeah, um, I can I can agree not, with all not that. Not enough substance. Yeah, not enough substance to really get a good grasp on uh, Commander Holdo. I feel like her character, it wasn't about her, but it was more about Poe's how he saw her. You know? Yeah, I, I I feel like her being there was more of a character development for Poe that we didn't get in Episode Seven. Because yeah. I mean, behind the scenes, Poe was supposed to die on Jakku when they crashed with Finn. His right. character was done. He was only supposed to get Finn off the from the first order and then die. But because of Oscar Isaac's performance and all the fanfare going on with the film, they kept him in to now where he's, you know, gonna be in episode nine. And he wasn't supposed to go any further than the opening of episode seven. So I feel like they needed to do some more character development for Poe to, you know, how they said not everything's solved by jumping in X Wing and blowing things up. It kinda taught him, you know, as much as he wanted this to do it on his own, but when she took over after Finn initially failed after being caught and she got those transports gassed up and gone, it kind of showed Poe that, okay, fine, maybe maybe I'm not always right. Maybe I needed to work on my leadership skills. So I, I feel like her being there was just kind of a more character development for Poe, and I, I, I'm cool with that. I think it was good. Yeah, I agree with that. And I can see Poe in the future being the leader of the Resistance, working his way up the chain and being one of the top guys. I agree. But the way the Admiral took out the uh, the fleet was spectacular, <laughs> I thought. Visually, yeah. you know, in Attack of the Clones, my favorite of the prequels. I know people hate it the most, but it's my favorite of the prequels. When those sonic charges go off that the Fets have, I didn't like that. I didn't like the way everything went silent. But this time it worked for me. It worked really well. I agree. The silence of her going through light speed through a Star Destroyer, that was awesome. And it took out all those other ships. It was just, and the silence was so long. And uh, the first night I saw it, just the whole audience, you could just hear people going, oh, my God, what did you, oh, oh wow. You know, it's just like whispers, but the whole, yep. you could hear everybody. It was great. Yep. So that brings us to the final battle on Crate. Uh, let's talk about the military oh, side oh, before gosh. we talk about the one-on-one -on -one battle. What did you think of the uh, the walkers and the speeders? I think from watching the previews and seeing all the things with the skis, I really just did not like the look of it. I didn't like the feel of it. It just didn't. It just felt like they were just doomed to begin with, fighting against the ATM sixes, the AT-ATs. They just. 
uh, it just felt like a one-sided, like, how are they going to get through this? And then when we see it, those things were supposed to be junk. Those things were supposed to be rust buckets. I mean, Poe put his foot through the bottom like <laughs> Flintstones trying to stop the thing. So I was at first I was like, I don't like that. But the fact that it was kind of showing them, we got to make with what we got and we got nothing. So we just have to just go. And just just to see that play out, I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. Those they definitely had like the weird, you know, the cockpit was to the left and they all just, you know, I mean, they were just sitting ducks. And yeah. uh, I liked it was kind of like the uh, the good guys versus the bad guys, the David versus Goliath, like just kind of the way it's set up. And man, I, I don't know about you, but I, I thought Finn, I thought Finn was a goner. Yeah, I, I mean, they, I knew they, they weren't gonna they built that scene up, and I knew they weren't gonna kill him I off. Legit... But still, yeah, I thought there, I thought it was gonna be he'd end up he'd end up <laughs> like he ended up at the end of the Force Awakens again. I started going through my head. Here we go, head cannon again. I start going through my head as he's charging, as he's charging the uh, battering ram laser. I'm like, wait a minute, okay, what did I see in the previews? Oh my god, I don't think I've seen. I think I've seen it all. Oh god, I think this is Finn's end. He has nothing else, you know, nothing else I can remember to go forward with the film. And I'm like, does he make it to episode nine? I'm like, oh my God, I think he's gone. And then, boom, he gets saved by Rose. One of the things I, before I saw the film, I was thinking about how this battle was going to go. I knew they had those giant new walkers. And I knew these these, these speeders, these skimmers were, were really supposed to be crappy. Like, oh, how are they going to win? I'm like, well, they might not win. Like they didn't win at Hoth, but they gotta, they gotta do something. And so my theory was, those stabilizers they drag were gonna kick up huge plumes of dust, and and, and it was gonna just, uh, just obstruct all of the, uh, the visuals, so the first order wouldn't be able to see them as they snuck away. I thought, you know, that that was my theory. That of course didn't end up being true. Hey, it worked in Rebels when Captain Rex ended up with his ship, and yeah. they were fighting on that one planet. Also, I. Th- for some reason, I had it in my mind that the new the new walkers were supposed to be fast or faster because they were, you know, simian. They were like gorillas. I thought, okay, we're going to see these things yeah. trot and move, but no, they just plodded along. So Yeah, they didn't move any faster than the adats that were very small in comparison, you know, yeah. next to them. Yeah. But then that brings us to the final confrontation between Luke and Kylo. Oh, Come God. On, tell me go. what you thought. <laughs> I thought it was great. My first viewing, I, I don't know if I was even breathing at that point. That scene, that that showdown at high noon between those two was so good. And, you know, he put everything, he put the first order on hold and said, no, I'm going down there, shut these doors. This is going down right now. I'm like, oh, my God. And I, I, I couldn't ask for a better fight. And... I'm watching the fight and I'm watching, you know, the, uh, I knew with the whole, when they were blasting him and he came back, I'm like, here you go. This is, this is it. And when upon second viewing, before we get the twist, the second viewing, when you walk on crate and you slide and you move that sand kicks up and you get that red dust to go across. If you watch it again for the second, third, fourth time, Luke never makes an impact on that sand. I as did, Kylo does. Yeah. I didn't, I did not notice that the first time. I noticed that his beard. Yeah, I didn't either. I noticed his beard was darker, and he had his old lightsaber. So I'm like, okay. My my thought went, okay. He's using the force again, so it's rejuvenating him. He's, you know, he's not haggard because he's got the force flowing yeah, through him. So that's why his beard is darker. And 
he doesn't have the green lightsaber he's just got the blue one like well we saw the blue one get broken so maybe this is another one uh those those were the clues that should have set me off what's that yep i didn't even i didn't even put that together as where kylo and ray broke the saber and then out of nowhere he pulled it out it just with with everything going on I, i didn't even it didn't even cross my mind that hey wait a minute how'd it get fixed yeah i also thought there was um let me backtrack a second. There was a, a poster. I think it was an official poster for this film from China, and it had X-Wings on it, but it was the old-style X-Wings, not the modern X-Wings. So I thought, huh. okay, they've they've put out their call. The Resistance has put out their call for... Uh, okay, you uh, thought they were just going to come storm it in like a... Like a Millennium Falcon at the last minute. Yeah, I thought it could be a bunch of... It would be like, oh, it's it's Luke and Wedge and all his old Rogue Squadron buddies. That would have been nuts. Yeah. I don't know why. I just That just came to my mind. Anyway. But yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> the fight between Luke and Kylo. My mind went to the final battle between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul on Rebels. Yeah. They're there. They're just staring each other down for the longest time. And then it moves fast. And it was over fast. And this very, lasted a little bit longer than the battle short. in Rebels, but still. Oh yeah, but the very short and just executed moves, and yeah, it was. Yeah. It was great, and and I don't know if you caught it. I'm sure you probably did. I don't know why I'm saying that, but when he looked at him and winked his eye and said, "See you around, kid." That was a Han Solo move to Han Solo's kid. Yeah, was, yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, it was so good. I was like, oh. And then he dies. <sighs> so fanboy and me definitely shed some tears and I have no problem saying that when he meditated and he disappeared and that scar flew off that cliff I had tears rolling down both eyes and I told myself I told everyone I think I even texted you I said I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle Luke Skywalker not making it out of this movie and the way he went as he said in peace I'm okay with that I'm perfectly at peace with that that that's the way he went and he at the sacrifice he made and like Obi-Wan, like Yoda, he went out in peace and came on with the Force. I loved it. I loved it as much as I cried, and I'm still digesting that Luke Skywalker is dead. It, it, I, I liked it. It was it was a great touch and didn't see it coming. It was definitely, you thought, oh, whew, that was a close one for Luke. And then, boom, definitely pulled on every heartstring that I have in my chest. And, uh, yeah, Luke, Luke Skywalker is no longer with us. Yeah. Yeah, when he talked to Leia, that got to me. He gave 3PO oh. the wink, that got to me. And then when he was gone, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, just it was a blow to the chest. But if I have to say I loved it, I loved how he did it. He sacrificed himself, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't on the battlefield. It was on his own terms and and honestly, yep. honestly, I, I I keep saying I, but what I think of episode 9, I could see him coming back as a ghost in episode nine. He told he told Kylo, you know what? You get rid oh, of me. I'm yeah. gonna be there, buddy. I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'll be with you oh, forever. He said, "I'll see you around, kid." That uh, yeah. we're we're gonna see we're gonna see we're gonna see uh Luke come back in episode nine. That's that that's that's gonna happen. Yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that's gonna happen. I but we can't we cannot forget the big thing here. Oh, One that? of the most touching lines of the movie is when Luke grab Le- grabs Leia's hand and says. Remember, we're not always gone. And not only was he saying, Carrie Fisher, we're thinking of you. Not only was he saying, my sister, it doesn't matter if we're gone. He left Han Solo's hanging dice from the Falcon in her hand. So you're getting all three of those at the same time. And 
Oh my god, how touching was that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. It was. It was. It was. You're hitting all those things. I'm like, oh, he's talking about Carrie Fisher. Oh no, he's talking about how. Oh, he's talking about his sister. I'm like, he's doing it all at the same time. And I, I, I want to know. And I don't know if you know or not. I want to know how many reshoots are done where they used Carrie Fisher, where they used a stunt hand, where Luke was touching her hand when she was in a coma, and when she was um, on crate in the in the in the you know behind the door before he went out to fight to fight Kylo if those were reshoots because the, the way it was shot it just didn't look like her hands uh, so I'm wondering if there was some after death reshoots of of those scenes yeah I don't know they they claim all her stuff was done but you know little inserts I don't know if they would count that how are they going to kill her off in episode 9 uh, that's that's a job for much smarter people than me I, I mean like you know is it going to be in the crawl I mean how do you and and I I was reading some things in Entertainment Weekly, and Lucasfilm was told from Carrie Fisher's family that she's not to be CGI'd in Episode Nine. Yeah. So you can't do that whole Rogue One, um, hope you know you they don't want her doing, they don't want them doing any of that, even for like a, a opening sequence death scene for Leia. Like, they can't, like how do you do that? That's what that's probably one of my biggest questions, in two years as we go forth and watch that movie is how do they play that off my one theory i've heard someone put out and of course it's just a fan theory is like episode nine there could be a big time jump like it could be it could take place five ten years after this movie and so they could refer to her in past tense and just not have to explain it i mean i don't know that's that's hey that's kind of an awesome theory and i feel like just you hearing hearing that for the first time from you that might be the only way they can play that out yeah it's not my theory but it it works that's the first time I've heard it, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my mind's been baffled. I'm like, how do you know? You can't kill Princess Leia off camera. That that, that can't happen. Yeah. While we're talking about it, and since it's something I keep bringing up, what are your expectations of Episode Nine? Where do you see them going? How do you see them wrapping up this trilogy? Oh, uh, I'm I'm such at a uh, a loss of words when it comes to a question like that at this point. Um, I I have some theories and I have some uh, maybe hopes, but uh, I feel like they kind of were hitting hard about them reaching out to the galaxy for people like sympathizers and people in the different parts of the galaxy to come help them. And, and my biggest thought was, and I was like, Oh, this is such a fanboy wish, but can you imagine like Lando going, I got your message. I'm here. Yeah. Having Billy D Williams show up and help out the risk. I mean, what is the risk is down to 25 people at this point. They need all the help they can get. So having a, you know, I mean, and everyone goes, Where's Lando? You know, he was he was one of the biggest parts of this. I mean, he was gold leader in Return of the Jedi. He was a big part of the the rebellion. Why is he not part of the resistance? Where is he? So I, I feel like it would be a perfect time. And Billy D. Williams has said, "I'm in. All I have to, I'm, I'm waiting for the call." So yeah. I feel like it would be a perfect time to you know make all his fanboys happy and put him in and bring him back for the resistance that needs everything they can get to have a leader like him come back and you know maybe make him a little crazier than you know like luke was and still smooth but a little crazy and you know I, i'm cool with that i think that'd be awesome to see billy d back in uh back in the cape where, where do you think they go with kylo oh, who knows i, I mean he is I, the new I, supreme I, leader I, after all 
he's the new supreme leader and i've 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 said on your podcast before that man has no redemption that's 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 not happening that's not happening i'll uh i'll go on record again saying he's he's a dead man walking he's not getting redemption for anything and as much as he came close to it in the last jedi no he's not getting it for the next one yeah he did come close to it i was i was fooled a few times along the way i i thought so was i thought ray was going to be able to pull him over when snoke was belittling him and just pretty much just calling him just a punk when a mask I was like he's gonna he could turn yeah yeah especially after killing after killing snook i'm like yeah it's this, this is a possibility i also i also had this really strong feeling and i don't know maybe it's just because i've watched too many movies in my life but did you did you feel at one point that maybe ray and kylo were brother and sister and we just don't know that yet i did or i did know that yet i did get that feeling like that they were gonna that was going to be the twist when he's like, I know who your parents are. I thought he was going to. Yep. And in episode seven, one of the first things Kylo said to Ray, you think he's a good father? He'd let you down just like he let me down. And, and Han had that guilty face every time Ray said something in episode seven. You know, when she said, uh, when he said, what's your name? And she said, Ray. And he got that look on his face like, mm, that's not your name. And when, she said, I've never seen such green in the galaxy. He had that guilty look on his face like, yeah, you should have known. You should have known there's green in this in this world, but you don't because I did something or I didn't do something or he just had that, you know, and he offered the job right away. You know, hey, you know, I won't be nice to you, but I'm offering you a job and Chewie kind of likes you. I, and then I just kept thinking there's something so strong behind that. Why is the force connecting us? And there there is something there. And. I, I I can't put my finger on it, but being a fanboy and a Star Wars fan, the only thing I can think of is their long lost brothers and sisters. I I definitely will completely shoot out the whole. They're gonna be you know a, a, a romantic thing. I, I don't think that at all. Yeah, the only thing that keeps me being a hundred percent behind the idea of them being siblings is just I don't see Leia giving up a child. Why would she do that? And, and even, yeah, and even if she did, why would she go on for this long without telling her? Right. Yeah, you know when when she came such close to death, twice around Ray, with uh you know and and putting so much faith in Ray with the beacon and and sending her off to find Luke, like she'd at least say something. Yeah. But yeah, there's 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 something there. I think they drove the point home with why are we connected, not just because we're in a movie together, but there's there's something that they want us to question with uh, why are we connected to the Force, when. Ray is new to the Force, and Kylo's not new to it, and he's strong with it. Why do they have that, you know, direct connection where they can talk to each other at any given moment? Well, so Snoke claims he he set him up for that. So very true, very yeah. true. Where do you think Ray goes at the end of the next uh, film? She sets up the new uh, Jedi Academy that Luke couldn't do. I mean, she does have all the Jedi I think books. So. I think that's a definitely good assumption and i feel like just with a desperate state the galaxy's in yeah they're gonna need there there's gonna be some recruitment there's there's they need something and they said it best at the end when they said we were all together and they showed everyone just you know it was kind of like it definitely tied back into the end of return of the jedi where everyone's dancing and clapping and having a great party and <laughs> and just to see r2 with chewy and and poe and poe does that introduction to ray and you're like oh my god i forgot they've never even met each other yeah until this moment and I, I feel like that setting up was like, there may be 25 of us, there might be 20 of us, but we're all we got, and we got to make this work to go, to, you know, to get to the next level. And I think uh, recruitment and 
I mean, they even set it up with with the the little boy in the stable with the you know as he grabbed the broom, you know he brought the broom to his hand from the force, and he had the ring and he flashed at the end was like, I mean that's such foreshadowing of I'm gonna join the rebellion. Yeah, I took that scene to mean that yeah, there's hope out there, not just for the resistance but for the Jedi and all of that. But not to end this conversation on a down part, uh, a low point, <laughs> but let's uh, let's cover some of the things we didn't like because you're you're covering some ground on, on some of the stuff that I didn't like. Uh, but I'll get to that in a minute. So besides Space Leia, <laughs> I think we both thought that was a little too much. Uh, what else did you not like in the film? My only other complaint, I felt there was a, just a little too much comedy, air quotes, a little too much stick. I think having funny parts to soften the blows of the hard parts is always a good thing. But just to have too much of it, it's just, it kind of just, it didn't put me off, but just those, uh, there was a point in time where I'm watching the movie and another joke came and I'm like, I honestly said to myself, I don't know if I said it out loud, but I said, come on, really? It, it just, it, it, it needed for all the lows, it needed a, a funny part, a joke. Um, I, I like one of the best parts of the comedy air quotes that I thought was a good part was when he meets, when Luke meets up with R2 and he says, oh, it's been good to see you. And I wish, you know, I could, you know, I wish you could, I could tell you what this means to me. And then he flashes the Princess Leia from episode four and he goes, that was a cheap move. I thought like that great. Like I thought that was great, but just some of the over the top. And, and, and like I said, I'll go down. I love the Porgs. They were great comic relief. I just felt like they were just utilized a little too much. And, you know, they were definitely cute. They were definitely comic relief. Just a little too much little too much porg and i'll go down saying return the jedi is my favorite movie and i love me some ewoks so i don't think that they're like oh the new ewoks you know i'm not that guy but i just thought there was they just turned down the porg a little bit and turned down the comedy a little bit there didn't have to be jokes at every every scene and uh other than that and space leia (laughs) Uh, here's my thing here's my thing with space leia we're watching Carrie Fisher for the last time and we see her pretty much die. And we're like, wow, she's dead in real life. And we're looking at a dead body. And then she comes back to life and you're like, okay. And then she pulls like a Superman three, just gliding through space. And I'm like, Oh, what is this? And we've both known in the prequels, these Jedi who've been Jedi, you know, stronger than anybody get blown out of these X-Wings and A-Wings and Y-Wings and they go into space and they're dead. These huge, strong Jedi, they go into space and they die. How did Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, who's very light on the Force using, can come back to life and then float herself through space and be in a coma for a day? It, yeah. it, it just, it, it didn't do it for me. Yeah, I agree with you. The, you know, when that scene first happened, and it blows up, and they show her in space. I'm like, oh, they, yeah, they reworked the movie. Yeah. Leia's dead. And I actually Leia's I started dead. tearing up. Like, oh my god, Leia's dead. They, they, you know, they must have decided to kill her off that's now. How, that's how they took care of it in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, Akbar Akbar died, and all those other guys died. Oh, okay. Um. Okay. I'm cool with that. Yeah. So for and half they a show second, in space, and I'm like, yep. And I'm like, they, they well, they cut the Hux, and Hux is talking. I'm like. Well, wait a minute. They just killed off Leia. 
And then a split second later, we're, we're seeing Hux make a speech on a hologram. I'm like, this isn't sitting right. This would be more of a, a reflection of someone being sad. Why are we listening to Hux? And then they show her in space, and I'm like, Ugh, I, uh, I just I was kind of cringing. It just eh, it didn't do it for me. One one of the things I mentioned before, I've started reading the Visual Dictionary, and and this is just me connecting some dots, but it, it spoke about that ship, the Radis, named after the, the Admiral from uh, Rogue One. Rest in peace. <laughs> it, it, it talked about it's it had very it had the most powerful shields, uh, and the shields extended out very far from the ship. So part of my mind is like, oh, okay, the bridge blew up, but maybe the shields are holding in the atmosphere to a certain degree. But still, that doesn't explain her floating, you know, floating herself back with the force. Yeah, oh, it's... yeah. But they fooled me. They did. They fooled me for a minute. Like, okay, Princess Leia's dead. This is how this they've they've worked it into this film, so they don't have to deal with it in the next. And uh, but then no. Can you imagine being Ryan Johnson, pretty much killing off Leia, bringing her back, and then Carrie Fisher dying, going, "Oh God, yeah, what do we do?" Right. <laughs> We, we we had our we had our moment and we didn't even know and that <laughs> yeah. moment's gone. Yeah. Uh crazy. The other thing that bugs me and and this sort of bugged me about The Force Awakens as well. And I know people crap on the prequels about it having too much politics. But the politics of the galaxy, you know, the structure of government it never really has seemed that well explained. I have this thing, and I've mentioned it before on the podcast, I call the mom test. Can my mom watch these movies and understand the full story, meaning she doesn't have to read the comic books and the novels and the you know everything else to understand everything? With the original trilogy, you could just watch the films, and you understood, oh, there's an empire, they're bad, rebellion. It's very basic. With the prequels, there was so much that was messy there that you had to read all those extra books and comics to get it to get the full story that it didn't work for a lot of people. Now with the force awakens in this movie, again, the structure of the galaxy in the films never felt that clear. There's a Republic, but the resistance, are they part of the Republic? Are they different? And the first order, are they, does the rest of the galaxy know about the first order or are they hiding? It was never really clear. And then when this movie starts, you know, in the opening crawl, it's like, oh, the first awaken, the, uh, the excuse me, the first order <laughs> is taking over the galaxy because the Republic has been blown up. It just, I don't know, it doesn't work for me. And then to go to the end of the film when the resistance is what down to, like you said, 20, 30 people. Again, it just it doesn't work for me. Wait, there's politics in the sequel trilogy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it just there's it's, absolutely it's not laid out. No I, I yeah, love novels that have maps at the beginning. When you read a book, it has got a big map at the beginning, so you know where everybody is and what they're doing. And this, the movies that to me have not done a good job of explaining the situation. And I know there's a lot of extra books I could read, and I am very far behind in my reading. But still, there's that mom test: Does the average can the average viewer watch this and understand what's going on? And I don't know if that's possible with these two movies. No, the the answer to your question is no. A mom cannot watch these movies and get from point A to point Z. And my father is proof in the pudding that he went to go watch Rogue One and fell asleep within the first 15 minutes, and he is not a Star Wars fan by any stretch of the imagination, and he goes on record saying, 
Star Wars sucks. And, <laughs> and that was Rogue One. And I wouldn't even address the sequel trilogy to my father because he would just be lost. But I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum of you with when it comes to politics. I, I'm not a political guy. I, I could give I could give a rat's ass about politics, but I feel like there's got to be something. There's got to be some some kind of structure, and I I don't feel there's any. It's just when when the republic's gone and they still address it. We don't have the republic fleet. We don't have the support of this. And it, it, yeah, I, I totally agree with where you're coming from. And being on the opposite spectrum of politics to what because I thought there was way too much politics in the prequel trilogy for my liking. Yeah, and me too. To have to go for, to go from that to none, there's got to be a happy medium somewhere, and they yeah. they do have it in the sequel trilogy. Well, like I said, the original trilogy it gives you everything you know you need. You can understand, you can understand the the, the chessboard and who's who and what's what. But I mean, and I of course I've worked it out because I'm a Star Wars nerd and I've read the stuff and I've worked it out. I know what's going on, but in the films, again, it just doesn't pass that mom test for me. And then in this movie, the, the resistance again down to thirty people is just. And the sad part of it all is, if they go and go, you know what? We had a big complaint about politics. If they put any kind of clout into politics in Episode Nine, that's just gonna you're gonna go wait, what? Right. Well, why do you care now about politics? I feel like they just kind of have to go with the flow and just be like, we got to stop the First Order for some kind of reason. Yeah, maybe it's not politics isn't the right word. Maybe it's more like structure of the civic structure government, yeah. you know yeah the bureaucracy I, I agree, I agree, yeah who who plows the roads got to pick up the trash <laughs> there's a reason why we need to get to a certain structure that the first order is avoiding us from getting to destination as opposed to you know a president governor uh senate yada 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 yeah i feel like they just we're, we're trying to we're trying to maintain balance in the galaxy to get back to some kind of peace and normalcy and the force or the first order is stopping that like yeah i i definitely think structure is a better uh word than politic yeah yeah and anyway, that's that's my complaint because it just doesn't these the last two films just don't match up the way i imagine the star wars galaxy from having read years of extended universe stuff and you know reading comics and playing games and all that good stuff it just the way it's laid out it just uh it almost these two films almost make the galaxy seem smaller in a way than the prequels did and everything else uh, that's come in the last 40 years yeah but i mean but here here's uh here's my theory and i'm a very optimistic person and you're an original trilogy guy like me and less than 10 years ago tim both me and you were depressed because guess what star wars was done right we saw our, we saw our last movie we had all of our conclusions and our thoughts and our uh, the way we thought about things it was done, and we're still getting Star Wars. And I don't care what comes out, and I don't think and it could sound so cliche. I don't think there could be a bad Star Wars movie in my book because it's still Star Wars and it's still here, it's still coming, and Star Wars is going to outlive you. It's going to outlive me, and I'm okay with that. A friend of mine. That's 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 awesome, and that's I think that's a, almost a perfect way to end this podcast. I just want to uh, end with a quote that a friend of mine posted today, uh, along the lines of what you just said. She said, 
no Star Wars movie will ever suck because it's just a one chapter in a much bigger story that I love dearly. Some chapters may be better than others for sure, but the overall story will always be awesome. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Yeah. That's beautiful. So on that note, Mr. Ryan Dassing, thank you for coming on Less Than 12th Parsecs. Well, actually, we should call this much, much more than 12th Parsecs tonight. <laughs> uh, we'll call this the Kessel Run. How about that? We'll call yeah, it the there Kessel. we go. There we go. Uh, do you want to uh, plug anything? Tell folks where they can find you online and anything like that? I'm a pretty regular dude, but if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter. at uh, rdizzy, R-D-I-Z-Z-Y. And I'm on Facebook, Ryan Dassing. And I'm part of the, the old line garrison of the Five of First Legion. So if you want to see cute pictures of my kids and me as a TIE fighter, just go in there and follow it out. And uh, I put some pretty funny memes from time to time. So like I said, nothing really. But yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at uh, rdizzy or on Facebook at Ryan Dassing. Great. Well, thank you, sir, for coming on the show tonight. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Tim. I love talking Star Wars with you. Anytime. Or TV! You've been listening to Less Than 12 Parsecs, the fastest Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. For links and show notes, visit our website, 12parsecpodcast.com. Follow Less Than 12 Parsecs on Twitter at 12parpod, on Instagram at 12parsecspodcast, on Tumblr at 12parsecspodcast, and find us on Facebook as well. And please let us know what you think. Email us at 12parsecspodcast at gmail.com.